the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hey everybody, Dennis Prager here in New York City. I had a great event last night with my friend, the broadcaster, but even more importantly, the great writer and fighter, Eric Metaxas. He has this program called Socrates in the City. So it was a, you'll be able to see it. Uh, They do record it, they do video it, and then they put it on the internet. I'll let you know when it's up. You'll, You'll get a big kick out of it. So they had another debate that Republicans, this is, I don't have much to say about it. But what I have to say, I think, is important. First of all, I give a very quick preface. Any Republican that defeats the Democrats has done good for America and the world. So this is, I have no individual, there's no individual partisanship in my comment whatsoever. But the, the, first of all, the form of debates, you have 30 seconds, you have two minutes, you have, then we go two minutes or one minute or 30 seconds to the other. You should all watch You should have every young person in your life watch the Kennedy-Nixon debate. And you will see truly exemplified the deterioration of American culture to to the childlike insults that are thrown around uh, in these debates from the serious contemplation of issues in that debate it would have been jarring to the American people. And these were people of separate parties, Kennedy, the Democrat, Nixon, the Republican. It would have been jarring to Americans had there been an insult, a personal insult thrown at the other one. Those of us old enough to remember that, that is one of the many examples. America was better. So I know that if you went to college, you were taught America was worse because there was a time when we had Jim Crow laws, for example. That aspect of America was worse. That is correct. But America was not only Jim Crow laws. That's, it's, it's almost unwatchable to me. I'm embarrassed, embarrassed as an American, embarrassed as a Republican. 
But it, it was inevitable when television, as I have said all of my life, the two most horrible, most devastating developments in American life were television and uh, ubiquitous college attendance. College and television killed the, uh, much of this country. In much the same way, they trivialized life. And you got MTV. MTV did to a generation. The bombardment of images, of meaningless images. One of the reasons that there are so many depressed young people is that their lives are filled with the meaningless. MTV is meaningless TV. I don't even know, what does the M stand for, Sean? In MTV? No, it's music TV, right? So uh, I think it should be, my friends, renamed Meaningless TV. The M is for Meaningless. And that is a big part of the reason for the depression of so many young Americans. Their life, their lives have no meaning. They go from Instagram image to MTV to whatever the, the next instant, insta, it's the insta time. And then they did that to the debates. They're not debates. They're, who can who can hurl the best insult? Donald Trump was definitely a part of this. I mean, I thought he was a great president, but but he played a role in the in the deterioration of of dialogue. And if you if you deny it, then you're denying the obvious because you love the man. But truth is more important than love. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. As one who smokes a pipe, that's a very meaningful aphorism for me. So that that's that's what happens. I, I I'm not sure that well well I mean, I'm sure we can get out of it. You have, you have to change the format from television instant. But I don't know how you can do it with eight people anyway. I often think if I were on that stage, I know that I would not throw insults. I might be insulted, but I, I, I know that I wouldn't throw insults. It's not my style. I really do believe, and this there's no lament here, I chose not to enter politics. It's completely my choice. I flirted with it for many years. I don't have the temperament, which is not a statement about people who do have the temperament. I don't have the temperament to, to, to be a, a bungee jumper. I mean, we have temperaments. You have to know yourself. I'm, I'm not cut out for politics. But if I were on the stage, I do believe that a serious statement about these issues in the manner in which I speak would be uh, shocking to vast numbers of people watching. And they go, wow, where did this guy come from? 
I don't know why they think, maybe they're right. Maybe they read the American public, even Republicans, because I don't know how many Democrats watch this. I'm sure many do, but I I think more Republicans are going to watch this because they have to decide whom to vote for to be the nominee. So they, they watch it and... I wonder, do they enjoy, does the the average American, are they reading the American public correctly, politicians? I mean, the things that Joe Biden said in his debate, quote-unquote debate with Donald Trump, you're a clown? You're a clown? And I just, I just weep for my country. Imagine Nixon or Kennedy saying to the other, you're a clown. Television warped it all. It's been a curse. What is it? What is the word? I read this book. It came out, in the, I think, in the 70s, maybe the 80s. I think the 70s, Amusing Ourselves to Death. I think that was the name. I read it again, I don't know, a year or two ago. It's completely relevant to today. You just change some of the names and it could have been written today. Amusing Ourselves to Death. So that's my that's my reaction to the to the debate. It's not a debate anyway. It's, it's a slugfest. And then the press plays, of course, the role of the referees at a boxing match or a wrestling match or a mixed martial arts match. So who got the best punch in? That's the role of the media. The media play it, the same thing. Oh, that was a, that was a great line. It's so and so through it. So and so. But the the nature of it makes it almost inevitable because you have no time to develop a thought. There are too many people. I I only can tell you that along with people not dressing formally in any way when they go to work are two examples of the downhill slide. We continue. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. So what sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion, my choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? 
Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have my back. He's been in this industry for over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. You gave me a good excuse. Not that I need any excuse. I say what I like. <laughs> it's the nature of me and the show. And to tell you about the calamity, the utter calamity of the big government idea the antithesis of what America was founded on. As I try to remind people, and I did last night at my talk here in New York City with Eric Metaxas's Socrates in the City, all the genocides of the 20th century, with the exception of one, the Hutu and Tutsi, were done by big governments. Do big governments do any good? Of course they do. It's not possible. Tell me something that has never done any good. Genghis Khan did some good. Mao and Stalin did some good. Hitler did some good. Some good means nothing. It's the sum total of a person and and of a regime and of an idea. This argument, well, didn't, didn't big government do any good? Yes, big government has done some good. That is correct. I'm not an anarchist. The question is stupid. Has it done any good? Can you name anything, no matter how bad, that hasn't done any good? The mass murderer Stalin electrified Russia. The, according to polls, I, I, I've noted this on a number of occasions, many Russians look with great, with great favor upon this great mass murderer. Talking about the deterioration of society, this alone should invalidate Governor Newsom of California from ever being taken seriously as anything. He should, he should be governor like I should be shortstop for the Yankees. Actually, now that I think of it, <laughs> surrounded as I am here by frustrated Yankee fans, maybe I should be shortstop. <laughs> Eric, you're a big Yankee fan. Is the shortstop position well well covered in, in for the Yankees? I have a shot. <laughs> that answered that question. <laughs> Newsome, what, what, what a nothing, what a truly colossal nothing. I don't even hate the man. He He's just a nothing. Pro-Palestine protest drives California governor to move lighting online. For, well, I think it's 92 years they, they have lighted the, the, the Christmas tree the governor of California has. But uh, he's afraid of pro-Palestine demonstrations, and uh, therefore it won't be it won't be secure. It's going online. 
Boy, does that tell you all you need to know about Newsom and the left? The cowardice that permeates the liberal as well as left world. The utter, it is the world of cowards. That's why they had lockdowns. That's why they deprived children of school for nearly two years. Because they're cowards. Better safe than sorry. That's the motto. No Christmas lighting publicly because he's afraid of demonstrators. But it tells you a lot about what they think of pro-Palestine demonstrators, that they loathe Christianity, which is true. Planned pro-Palestine protest. This is from Just the News. Attended by an estimated 200 people appear to have driven California Governor Gavin Newsom to hold the state capitol's Christmas tree lighting ceremony online, highlighting a growing divide between moderate pro-Israel Democrats and pro-Palestine progressives. I don't know why it does that. Hmm. Maybe it does. Maybe it does highlight that difference. Most Democrats are are pro-Palestine. That means they support the eradication of the state of Israel. When the, I say the Democratic Party is a scummy party, even though some of the most beautiful people I know are members of a scummy party. I, can, I actually can chew gum and walk at the same time. There are many wonderful people in a despicable party. Okay? Life is complex. As we continue to see protests across the country impacting the safety of events of all scales and for the safety and security of all participating members and guests, including children and families, the ceremony this year will be virtual, a spokesperson for the governor's office said in a statement to the Los Angeles Times. Why don't, why doesn't they, why don't they do what they should have done, what churches should have done? churches were cowardly as well and synagogues and, and and the people I so respect in LDS cowardice dominated religious as well as secular life during COVID just for the record everybody, virtually everyone not everyone, well, there were terrific rabbis priests and ministers but they were a small minority why don't they just say, if you want to attend the uh, the lighting, we're going to have the lighting. And if you feel scared because of Palestinian demonstrators, pro-Palestine demonstrators, don't come! We'll be back. The Dennis Prager Show. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. 
So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. I'm Dennis. Reading to you from a sign of our times, truly a true sign of our times. Got to tell you, no question about it. That Governor Newsom, that nothing, who represents the perfectly represents the Democratic Party and the movement toward cowardice as an official position, because pro-Palestine demonstrators might disrupt the service. There won't be a, a Christmas lighting ceremony. It's very interesting. If they were a Republican governor, do you think that that would have happened? As we continue to see protests across the country impacting, impacting. That's great. When did impact get used? Do you, have, do you ever say that in your life? Things are impacting something else. Maybe you do. I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds like one of those uh, new words. New phrases of ideology. Anyway, the safety of events of all scales. For the safety and security of all participating members and guests, including children and families. The ceremony this year will be virtual. A spokesperson, God forbid they say spokesman, for the governor's office said, by the way, I'm just curious. It used to be spokesman. And then, of course... Feminists were offended because they're very easily offended. So I am curious. Does anybody really believe that women in any way have been elevated by the removal of the words firemen, policemen, and spokesmen? Just curious. Has it made their day? The state's 92nd tree lighting ceremony, typically a major public event, was planned for Tuesday night, but moved to a pre-recorded internet video released on Wednesday. Why isn't every uh, every civic organization, every church in particular, protesting the moving of the event? I mean, that I just learned of this, that it was, so this was this past Tuesday night, that's what it was supposed to be? And and then, is there any outcry from people who take, I'm a Jew and I take this seriously. (laughs) Hello, Christians, hello, come in. I know Christmas tree is not a religious symbol. So, so, so what? Sacramento Regional Coalition for Palestinian Rights, the SRCPR, I made that up. I didn't make up the name, I made up the initials. Planned protest for Tuesday evening's event. Isn't that amazing? Protest? A a Christmas lighting event? The left and the Islamists hate Christianity. Are you aware of that? You're probably not. 
Because you don't, you read the New York Times or the L.A. Times and, and listen to NPR. You know so little of life because of that. The left loathes Christianity. And Christians are being slaughtered in the tens of thousands around Africa in particular, in West Africa in particular, by Muslims called Boko Haram, among others. And no one gives a damn. No one. A few Christians, and a few Jews for that matter, talk about this. Front page New York Times on Monday, Palestinian mother with her dead child. Why no Christian mothers with their dead children slaughtered by Muslim activists in West Africa? This is a very big deal, canceling this event. It shows you the cowardice of the Democrats. Cowardice. They bathe in it, just like college presidents and deans. Cowardice is now dominant in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Dominant. As it was during COVID. Okay. Curious if you you're, you go to church and your pastor will say a word about this. Or even know about it. One eight Prager seven seventy six. Dennis Prager here. Rather upset. Angry at the disgraceful Newsom, a, f- a farce as governor, a farce cancels Christmas lighting because of pro-Palestine demonstrations for the safety of people. This was supposed to be the 92nd public tree lighting in California, and it was canceled. Went online. Wimps. Why didn't he do it in public with no audience then? Online. The Sacramento Regional Coalition for Palestinian Rights planned protest for Tuesday evening's event. The catchphrase, we say no to genocide. God, the ultimate lying, despicable folks who charge Israel with genocide. There are far more Palestinians today than than when Israel was founded. It's the opposite of genocide. The genocide is what they want to do. From the river to the sea, no more Israel, no more Israelis. Lying, despicable human beings. God, how people can't recognize evil. Makes me sick. But I don't expect better. See, one of the reasons that I don't go nuts, I have such a low opinion of human nature that I celebrate all the good people who exist, and I'm not shocked that there are loathsome people like Hamas and people who demonstrate for Hamas. Loathsome is as normal as wonderful, maybe more so, because it takes courage to be wonderful. Courage is very rare. All right, let's see here. I want to take some calls. And San Antonio, James, 
James of San Antonio. Hello, sir. Uh, yes, it's an honor to talk with you, Mr. Perger. Uh, my, Thank my basic you. question, uh, my basic question, but I would like to follow it with a, just a line about why, is uh, who is defined as a Jew? Now, I've been talking to uh, several uh, Jewish people that I happen to run into, and they don't seem to accept what I thought I understood from your book. Uh, why, why the Jews? Uh, that mm-hmm. that the belief is belief is the primary determination of what makes a Jew. Now you mentioned God, Torah, nation, God, law, nation. But I want to know how can one convert to be a Jew? How, what defines a person as a Jew? Yeah. So uh, the Jews are both a people or even a nation and a religion. So Christianity is just a religion. Islam is just a religion. Uh, America is just a nation. French is just a nation. So that's what renders what is a Jew. It's not complex, but different from other religions or other uh, national identities. The, The way to be, you guess, anyone on earth can become a Jew. That is correct. And that, that, that is the belief part. If you convert, uh, that's a religious act. So you become a Jew. The classic case is Ruth in the Bible, where she converted to becoming a Jew. She said, your people are my people, and your God is my God. And that is essentially what happens. You become a member of the people, and you take the God that the Jews have historically believed in. However, if you are born a Jew, just like if you're born an American, are there people born American who loathe America? Yes, they're called leftists. Are there Jews who are uh, born Jews and loathe Judaism or or ha- completely dismiss it? Of course. But they're still Jews, just like an American who doesn't believe in anything specifically American is still an American. Tell me if that was clear. That is clear, except one thing. You say a, a Jewish. I mean, they they don't they can't disown their faith or not. I mean, there's no way they get expelled. Or well, like how do you, yeah, no, that's correct. There there was a time when it was possible. There was very a very rare time. The the philosopher Spinoza was excommunicated by fellow Jews. I think it was in Holland. But it's very very uh, it's it, it it doesn't exist anymore. So you're right. Uh, Jews are stuck uh, with George Soros. Jews are stuck with Leon Trotsky. Jews are stuck with Jews who who even work against the the Jewish people. But America is stuck with Americans who loathe America. So that's why there's the national part, the born part, and there's you can convert to becoming American. You can convert to becoming a Jew, and you are born a Jew just like you are born an American. Okay? Uh, You've exactly answered my question. Thank you. Wow, what a pleasure to talk to you, a man who actually calls and says, you answered my question. Let me revel in that for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way it works. That's why it's it's so interesting. Christians always ask me, and how come many so many Jews are on the left? And I said, wait a minute, that's true, and it, it is it is a tragedy for Jews and for the world. But the fact is, it's it's a, a little unfair for the Jews because 
When a Christian drops Christian belief and becomes a leftist, nobody says, oh, look, another Christian leftist. Christians get to declare who's a Christian. Jews don't get to declare who is a Jew. You're born a Jew, we're stuck with you. You're born a Christian, which doesn't exist, but you were a Christian. Christians are not stuck with you. You don't believe in Christianity, you're not a Christian. But you don't believe in Judaism, you're still a Jew. So that's that's the way it works. Such is life. Okay. We have only 40 seconds. I got a rabbi who doesn't agree with me. Really? I that is a shock. I'll take it. But I can't take it now because I'm interrupting him for what we call in radio a hard break. I do enjoy uh, talking to uh, folks. Talk radio has a, that is unique. And it's been a source of tremendous wisdom for me in life. Talking to people of all backgrounds. We shall return in a moment. You're listening to The Dennis Prager Show. Well, hello, everybody, and it's uh, my uh, last day at uh, in New York City, returning. I get antsy if I'm not in an airport for more than four days. It, it, it's, it doesn't feel right. Anyway, it's been a fantastic trip here, truly terrific. I got to see my brother, my, my one sibling. And his wife, my wife and I, had dinner with them. We don't see them much. Such is life. It's amazing. You grow up with somebody in the same house, and then you live 3,000 miles apart. But it's better to have good relations with someone who lives far away than bad relations with someone who lives with you. I'm laughing at myself, forgive me, because that is what would qualify as an obvious point. (laughs) Okay, so now we return to the breakdown of America, thanks to the left. National Women's Law Center president. The hell is that, the National Women's Law Center? I've heard about it much of my adult life another left-wing group, and to give you an idea of the intellectual vapidness that permeates the National Women's Law Center. Here is its president, Fatima Goss Graves, at a Title IX hearing uh, in defense of having men who say they're women compete in women's sports. Listen to the utter vapidness. If you're a lawyer, it's embarrassing. If you're a female, it's embarrassing. I have said all of my life, the feminist movement doesn't give a damn about women. If this isn't proof, there is no such thing as proof. Here we go. This is her testimony on behalf of cheats. It's pure, undiluted cheating for a male who says he's a woman to compete in women's sports. That's all. It's a lie of cheating. And
and the National Women's Law Center defends it. Here's its president. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully, and often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. We could address resource dis well, They just want to play like anybody else. Well, I have no doubt that this woman went to some law school. Obviously, she went to law school. She's a lawyer. See, to speak like that, you had to go to college and graduate school. I've said much of my life, people thought it was over the top. Many people did anyway. That college makes you stupid. It is not a cute line. It is not true for every student. Some are already stupid. College only reinforces it. And some actually withstand it. Like the students who came to my speech at Columbia University two nights ago here in New York City. But it's, it's tough to withstand the world of lies that permeate all of leftism that permeates all of Lester's. Well, both are true. The world permeates, the lies permeate. Wow. The, the, the disingenuousness of that statement is, is, is appalling. She doesn't deal with the question, is it fair to the women? That's the only question that matters. That they want to participate, those who, men who say they're women, that they want to participate in women's sports is not a defense. It's a statement of the obvious. They want to cheat. That's correct. And we at the National Women's Law Center, who don't give a damn about women, are okay with their cheating. Feminists don't care about, no, no take it back. The feminist movement never cared about women. The communist movement never cared about workers. Most, most of the civil rights, not, not of the 60s and the 70s, but today, they don't care about blacks. Blacks thrived compared to Biden under, under Trump, and they hated Trump because they, they hate the, the right. They don't love blacks. They hate the right. The feminist movement doesn't love women. It hates the right. That's, the, that's, that's what makes their lives. 
hating the right. That fills their life. So you might say, well, does my hatred of the left, does it fill my life? No, it doesn't. It's a pain, actually. I hate how much time is is taken away from what I really care about, like writing my Bible commentary. I have a full life. But leftists only have a full life in, in, in fighting the right. That is their life and building the state and taking power. So there's no, there's no symmetry here. That's why they own a lot because the, the right doesn't organize to own colleges and to own the AMA and to own the American Bar Association. They, That is not, conservatives have full lives, often with religion, with with profession, and with family, and so on. They have full lives. They don't look for a full life in the the macro sphere. That was the National Women's Law Center president. Well... For many individuals, there is a turning point for many leftists when their conscience and their mind all of a sudden realize, oh my God, I've been deluded all of my life. The God That Failed was a very famous book. I believe it was written in the late 40s. Maybe, maybe earlier, but I think it was from the, that era, of people who had devoted their lives to communism. And then they realized they devoted their lives to a mass-murdering lie. What year? Oh, I was right, 1949. Thank you. You know how hard it is to acknowledge that you've wasted your life? I I can only imagine, because it'd be very hard for me to imagine that I'd wake up one day and think, hmm, the dominant ideas of my life, that God wants us to be good people, that there is more wisdom in the Torah than the New York Times, that working on your own self is the greatest vehicle to goodness on earth, not making government bigger, but controlling my own appetites and tendencies. I don't think I'll wake up one day and think, gee, that was all nonsense. So it's very hard for people to acknowledge that. My fellow American Jews who are now looking at the colleges as cesspools It won't change a thing. They'll vote the same. They're not having the moment that you would have hoped. Oh, maybe the left is despicable. Back in a moment. And let us see here. I'm debating, so let's see what my debate is like. I have another very instructive clip for you. And 
let's see here. Let's go to the clip. Yeah, there's a clip here from, what what does it show him? Is it a Moroccan guy who is coming in through the Mexican border? One from Liberia, uh, Arizona, the Arizona-Mexico border. So on many, many accounts, for many reasons, this is instructive. So listen to what he has to say. I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you for everything, Joe Biden. I'm a good person. I want to be a good person here in the United States. I came here because I want quality life. You know, America is a, lot, is a land of opportunity. So there's, there's so much to be said about these few words. Number one, that's the hope of the Democratic Party, that millions of new Democrats are really what they are want with an open border and leftists who deny that the left is for an open border are the classic example of people who lie to themselves they are there's no hope for such people there's hope for liars who know they're lying there's no hope for people who lie to themselves the left is not for an open border is an example of that so we have an open border for all intents and purposes And here was a Moroccan and a Liberian. Liberia's in West Africa, of course. And we love you, Joe Biden. That's So that is one of the things that I wanted to emphasize. And by the way, how can you blame the guy? Joe Biden is who made it possible. I mean, the truth is the Democratic Party did. There is no Democrat I know of, maybe Joe Manchin, but there's no Democrat that I know of. Uh, who uh, has any chance for the presidency, who would close the border. So he doesn't know this, so he thanks Joe Biden, totally understandably, whereas he should thank the New York Times and NPR and the Democratic Party. The next point to be made is that, uh, I believe it was, I think, I can't, I didn't see the video. I heard it. So I think the one who said, Sean, did you see the video or only heard it? Okay, so the man who said it's a land of opportunity, was that, was he black or was he Arab? So the second guy was the black guy. Okay, great, perfect. Because that is why I want to make this point. So here we have a black African who says, I want to come to America. It's the land of opportunity. So uh, it's really a a sort of binary choice here, my friends. Either the left is right that America is systemically racist against blacks, or it's lying and it's really a land of opportunity unlike any other for blacks. So is this Liberian not in touch Has he not gotten the message from the damn left that this is a systemically racist country? Did he miss that point? Why isn't the left at the border warning blacks about coming into systemically racist America? Why aren't they handing out sheets? You are stupid for coming here. Go back home. We on the left know how badly you will be treated because you're black. Why aren't they doing that? 
because they are lying about America systemically racist. Because there are empty souls who fill their emptiness with lying causes like America as systemically racist. That's why. They lie so much you don't know which lie to begin with. Do you, the lie of it's okay for men to compete against women if they say they're women? Or is it the lie that America's systemically racist? Or is it the lie that Israel is a genocidal state? Which leftist lie do you battle at any given moment? That's the question, isn't it? But if they were intellectually honest, which is a joke for the left, but if they were, they would be telling blacks, you're making a big mistake and raising funds to give them a flight back from Mexico City to Africa. That's what the left would be doing if they believe their, well, they do believe their lie. So it's even more bizarre. I think they believe that America is systemically racist. Because if you say any lie enough, you start to believe it. I don't know how many Germans believe Jews were inherently inferior, but if when they heard it enough from the Nazis, more and more people believed it. Lies are believed the more they're repeated. And the left owns the most modes of communication. Not talk radio and not the Internet. They don't own them yet. They own Instagram. They own TikTok. Well, they own TikTok. I don't know about Instagram. But uh, really, I don't. I don't get it. A leftist must look at this guy from Liberia who says America is the land of opportunity. And think, man, is this guy out of touch? We left wing blacks and we left wing whites. In America, we know how crappy it is for blacks in America. <laughs> uh, it's it's basically, it's overwhelmingly these wealthy blacks and wealthy whites who say this. People who have done so incredibly well in the greatest land of opportunity for blacks and Jews and everybody else that has ever been invented. And they're bringing it down. They're destroying the land of opportunity. What keeps me sane is the belief that in the final analysis, they will have to stand before the judge of judges, the judge of all the earth. As Abraham described God when he argued with him over Sodom and Gomorrah, he described him as the judge of all the earth. Thank God he is. DP here. Played for you these two people who are just crossing the border at Arizona. One from Morocco and one from Liberia. And so the Liberian was saying, I'm coming to America because it's the land of opportunity. So here's a question for uh, the the ingrates, the destructive human beings that are on the left. Do you think this man is a fool to come to a systemically racist country? So they might say, well, look, compared to a poor place like Liberia, uh, he has more opportunity in America. All right. 
So can you name a black African country where it is better to be a black in terms of opportunity than America? I'll give you a couple of moments to come up with an, a, a name. Thank you for the buzzer. That's a toughie, isn't it? This is not a knock on Africa. It's a knock on the left. Who is the uh, great writer for the Washington Post? I've quoted him many times. And he wrote a book. I think it's called Out of, Out of, Out of America. Was it either Out of America or Out of Africa? I never get it right. Many, many years ago. Keith Richburg, that's it, Keith Richburg. He is a, a writer for the Washington Post, has been for decades, and he's, he's black, and he wrote a book, which the left ignores, about how he has benefited as a black from the tragedy and the horror of slavery. He, does, he is capable of actually having sophisticated thought, which is the moment you do, you leave the left. And he realizes, wow, the, the, tr- the tragedy and horror of slavery is the reason that I have such a good life as an American who happens to be black and, the, and happens to be the descendant of slaves. That's right. By the way, that's the difference between the horror of slavery, which did see terrible death, but overwhelmingly was a matter of slavery, and the Holocaust. There there aren't any descendants of the victims of Holocaust who can write a book. There are descendants of slaves who can write a book. There are levels of evil in human history. Slavery is one of the great evils of history. And yet there are greater evils. This doesn't diminish slavery's evil. It just gives you an idea of how uniquely horrific the Holocaust was. There are no Richburgs were descendants of Jews who went into gas chambers. So this descendant of the enslaved wrote a book, and he was stationed because he was stationed in Africa, where blacks come from. And he realized how lucky he was to be an American black as opposed to an African black. So when when a black says to this Liberian, you're coming to a systemically racist country. It is a meaningless statement. Anyway, the only systemic racism is from the left. But the, the, the right doesn't believe in all black dormitories or all black graduations. Doesn't believe in changing standards for blacks, which is so demeaning. A conservative listening to this guy from Liberia says, you're right. 
This is the land of opportunity for blacks and for everybody else. You got it right. The American left, black or white, is lying to you. I once asked a guy who was polishing my shoes at Newark Airport many years ago, where are you from? He mentioned some place in the Caribbean. I asked him if America was racist. I'll tell you his answer when we get back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. I'm delighted to have Naomi Wolf on. Naomi Wolf is known to most of you, but not all of you. Naomi Wolf is not easy to categorize because her life consists of diverse chapters. I'm talking about her public life. Everybody's private life is diverse chapters. So I'm, I'm referring to her public intellectual life. She was one of the leading feminist spokesmen or spokespersons, excuse me. My excuse me was sarcastic, but nevertheless, spokespersons uh, in America. And she... I'm thinking about how to describe this next part. Let's put it this way. One of the reasons I have a sense that I have a kindred spirit in Naomi Wolf is that Wikipedia can't stand her. And that's usually a good sign. (laughs) Wikipedia is terrific if you want, as I do, for example, to know what key a given Haydn string quartet is in. Wikipedia is uniquely helpful in that arena. But where it has anything to do with the contemporary world, it is worse than useless. It is actually deceptive. I know it from my own Wikipedia page, which I have absolutely no access to. And in her case, I mean, you're, you have it worse than I do, Naomi. I'm sure you, you're aware of this. You are, you have the, I mean, in the beginning, it's just the first opening paragraphs on Naomi Wolf. She has been described by journalists and media outlets as a conspiracy theorist. She has been criticized for promoting misinformation on topics, on topics such as beheadings carried out by ISIS. By the way, I'm just so curious what they could characterize as being misinformed on that. And uh, you have been, Wolf has objected to COVID-19 lockdowns, as has Prager, by the way, and did from the beginning. You could look up my April 2020 tweet and article 
that it was the greatest international mistake ever made. April 2020. Criticized COVID-19 vaccines. In 2021, her Twitter account was suspended for posting anti-vaccine misinformation. That's just the beginning of your uh, Wikipedia page. Naomi Wolf attended Yale, and I'm going to begin with that for, and then go to all of these other matters, and of course to your book, which is an important work. And the book is titled Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. We are in a new dark age, she is right. Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance. That's exactly right. So first of all, you so you... you did you go to graduate school or was Yale undergraduate? Yale was undergraduate, and then I received a Rhodes Scholarship to do graduate work at the first time around at Oxford University, um, and then returned to Oxford in my 50s to finish my DPhil. So I've been a graduate student twice at Oxford. All right, so we'll leave the English universities aside for a moment. I just spoke at, the reason I'm in New York City is I spoke at Columbia two nights ago. And good. Uh, good is right. I agree with you. Good is correct. I, I did my own graduate work at Columbia many, many years ago, obviously. And I, I now think something has happened. Tell me if you agree with me. And, and I always tell visitors it's, it's not an issue to disagree with me. I have... So don't even think you're not polite or anything like that. I think, and I tend not to have rose-colored glasses, but I now believe that the cachet that Yale, Princeton, Columbia, Harvard, the Ivy Leagues, plus Stanford and others, had for all of my life has somewhat been shattered. Do you agree I, I hope you're right. I think you you are right. I mean, um, applications are down, and it's not surprising because these institutions were supposed to stand for critical thinking, model academic freedom, um, be places where there was robust engagement with ideas. And I literally just got off a, a video interview with a, a young woman, a student, who described that you know, the last three years have led students to witness administrations shying away from raising any questions at all, not answering student questions about mandates or um, or, or lockdowns, um, pretending it all didn't happen, taking government uh, spokesmodels assertions as gospel truth. They, they role modeled a com- contempt for rigorous inquiry um, and a, a, a slavish obedience to sources you're supposed to interrogate, like government spokespeople, corporate um, claims. Uh, so they deserve to lose all credibility. Yeah, I I think that uh, you're, uh, the lockdowns would, would have been sufficient, but now, did you happen to see the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn in Congress, did you happen to catch that? No, I didn't. What, what did I miss? So let me tell this. This was really something. I mean, they were they were asked by Congresswoman, uh, a Congresswoman from New York State, Stefanak. I think that's her name. Maybe, maybe I got it a little wrong. 
Stefanik. Yes, Stefanik. Uh, would you say that uh, calls for genocide of Jews are are qualify as hate speech and uh, something you don't allow at your universities? And and they they wouldn't answer it. But if you misgender somebody at Harvard, that is considered violent speech. Really. I, I don't know yeah. what to say. I mean, th- these these debates make me so sad because the law in America is very clear. The First Amendment protects all speech except for specific threats of violence. Um, that's already a criminal offense. And it shouldn't be hard for universities to stand up for freedom of speech, freedom of thought, and also, you know, make follow the law in not allowing direct threats of violence. So let's go to you and the subject of feminism now. I read to the, I actually didn't read, I I actually actually played for my listeners last hour, the president of the National, what is it, the National Women's Law Center, is that correct? Is that the name of the group? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. And and she was defending, in an incredibly intellectually shallow way, I might add, the idea that uh, uh, trans women, men who say they're women, are perfectly entitled to compete with women in women's sports. The National Women's Law Center, so theoretically, a place to defend women. Yeah. So what's your take on that? I mean, my first thought is why, if that's your, you know, if, if, if you, you know so certainly what the answer is, and that's the answer, why have a separate institution called a National Women's Law Center? Um, because being, being a woman biologically is meaningless. Um, I guess, you know, I've really been on a journey with that issue, uh, just like I have with many of the issues I uh, address in Facing the Beast. I used to think it, this was a fake issue, right? There are so few trans women who transition from being men. So few of them want to bother women in restrooms or join uh, sports teams. So I actually think this whole drama is being manipulated from the outside um, and is of a piece with the forces that are, uh, you know, funding and and coordinating protests that are not organic, um, whether it's Black Lives Matter or Antifa, um, creating divisions that are not organic in American society for their own purposes. It's an ideological war. Um, the gay and lesbian movement has always been, and and the movement for rights of people who cross-dress and more recently change their gender surgically, not that you can actually change your gender, but change their, uh, I don't know, genitals surgically. Um, that's always been a kind of a libertarian movement with a strong emphasis on privacy. Um, and so this kind of coercive, you know, I'll make you talk the way I want you to talk. I'll force myself uh, to, you know, dilute women's spaces, no matter how women feel about it. That's not organic to the LGBT movement historically. And I, I wrote my doctoral thesis actually was on the um, first pioneer of gay rights who wrote an important book addressed to uh, jurists, you know, to change the law in Britain, John Addington Simmons. All right, hold on Um, there. I want to, I want to tell, wait, hold on, Naomi, because I I want to repeat to everybody. The book is Facing the Beast, Naomi Wolf, up at DennisPrager.com. 
Naomi Wolf is an important thinker, one of the voices of feminism for much of her life and for many other ideas. She has uh, written an important new book, not brand new, but new, doesn't matter. My favorite book is 3,000 years old. Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. The book is up at DennisPrager.com. So we were talking about the, the this trans issue and of people like the National Women's Law Center president defending at a Title IX hearing in Congress, defending men who say they're women, competing against women in sports. And you, this is an area which you have done a lot of work in, so go ahead. No, so I was just saying, I think a lot of these, and this is one example, um, divisions or kind of wedge issues are being inflamed um, artificially. And I do think this is important and easy to solve, right? You just sports categories are kind of arbitrary anyway, just created a, a class for XX, XY, you know, and, and, and trans people um, to, to compete or do it by weight or, you know, there's other ways to solve the problem. But the bigger picture, I now think it's very serious because it is a war on women, biological women. I mean, the fact that, you know, I thought this was a joke at first also, but now government websites, including the CDC and the FDA, uh, all kinds of public health websites are using language like menstruating people or childbirthing people. And, and this this coincides with, you know, work we've done with these 3,250 doctors and scientists who might oversee, who are going through the Pfizer documents. There is a biological war against women because the Pfizer injection is, is tested and, and developed, uh, the internal documents show, to disrupt women's um, health and fertility, uh, menstrual health and, and fertility, and to damage babies and cause women to miscarry. And this is resulting in, and by the way, that was the non-misinformation that got me deplatformed from Twitter in 2021, when I noted that women were having menstrual problems subsequent to getting the mRNA injection. And now in 2023, unsurprisingly, there's a 13 to 20% drop in live births in the West. And we know why um, from looking at the Pfizer documents. It's an intense focus on ruining reproduction, ruining um, menstruation, lactation, uh, the ability of the placenta to cure a baby. This is all in the documents. So it is a bigger picture of a war on women and especially a war on women in the West. The only area where we, we differ, and it's, we don't differ, uh, but where I would emphasize, I don't think it's so much a war against women. That's de facto true. But it is a war on Western civilization and, and really humanity. So that that's the only way I would phrase it differently than you did. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> you know, there's no question about that at all very literally a war on the West because of the 43,000 adverse events, the overwhelming majority of them are in North America. After that, the next largest tranche is in Western Europe um, in order of political importance of country like Britain, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Greece, and all the rest of the world combined where these injections were rolled out. And I don't mean to focus narrowly on the injections, but it's a big part of a bigger war on the West and on humanity, 
um, all the other countries, the 52 countries where these injections were rolled out, amount to only 7,000 adverse events in the Pfizer documents. Um, but I see, I see this war against humanity and against the West. Thoroughly agree with you um, in many, many areas right now. Whether it's this pharmaceutical capture or whether it's the propagandizing of our young adults in college, the breaking of their spirits through masking and lockdowns that we've discussed, or whether it's, you know, the Chinese Communist Party buying up our farmland through their proxies or buying up real estate around the ports, the attacks on our agricultural um, processing plants, the attacks on our energy grid, the open border. I'm the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. I believe in legal immigration, but the, the open border and the, you know, fighting age men with military bearing pouring in over our southern border, anyone who studied geopolitics knows that we are being invaded. And we're being invaded at the same time that m most of us had mandated an injection that is adding a million people self-describing as disabled every month to the ranks of the disabled and, you know, many thousands of deaths. So it's a uh, it's an intentional war on the West and it's a war on the constitution because the West and America especially isn't there. It's not just a network of countries. Uh, we stand for ideals that um, have been a target of, of Marxist attacks for now many decades, more than I had realized really ramped up in the last three years, but the globalist villains who are trying to crush the West and enslave all of us um, find a free America and the constitution and a Western Europe that remembers the Magna Carta, remembers the, uh, the struggles for, for freedom and, and for uh, representative parliaments. That's an ob Those are obstacles that have to be destroyed if they're going to um, have their way um, of kind of digital control of everybody in the short term, except for them. When I've uh, dialogued with Alan Dershowitz, both at forums and on my radio show, he has said, so I'm not revealing a private statement to me, that he has lost, and these are his words, all my friends, because he has had the temerity, while he still even votes Democrat, including for President Biden, he has defended Donald Trump in court. Yeah. And he has argued for free speech, whereas the left, as I pointed out all of my life, always suppresses speech. So has that happened to you? Have you lost all or nearly all of your friends? I lost I lost almost all of my old friends and, and many family members, but I've gained far more new friends. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that you were right. Um, I wish you weren't. I didn't realize it. I thought that the left was the side of freedom of speech, open dialogue, inclusion, and Facing the Beast goes into detail about how I learned that overnight people around me, my, my dear friends who would never discriminate against a gay or lesbian couple or against people of color, embraced a discrimination society that created two categories of people, vaccinated and unvaccinated, and, you know, in the words of Animal Farm, some were more equal than others. They had no problem with it. Um, people who claim to be champions of women's rights uh, have no problem with a 
jettisoning the phrase, your body, your choice, the minute it came to uh, medical freedom. Um, people who claim to be. About, All right, hold on. Um, keep keep those yeah, keep those examples in mind. I really want to push your book, <laughs> "Facing the Beast: Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age." Naomi Wolf. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial free every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.